At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke. Okay, folks, welcome into another episode of Beeson's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Alongside me for this edition, Brady Cannon, former Super Contest champion and current Beeson host. You can follow him on Twitter at Las Vegas Golfer. We've got two games to look forward to on Monday Night Football. One of those rare double games on a Monday that a lot of people seem to like. Uh, but again, seldom we get that. But hey, we're looking forward to it, especially after what happened last week. Brady nailed it in terms of taking the points with the Seahawks. Man, I, I mean, like you said, Brady, uh, the Super Bowl pretty much is what it is for or what it was for Seattle. And then, you know, you were listing out all those trends with teams who lost a star quarterback and how they produced in game one. And man, I, again, that was pretty much you nailed it to a T. So uh, tip of the cap to you and props. And we're looking forward to capitalize on the two games this Monday, my friend. Yeah, I, I'm set up for regression, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> I set the bar pretty high with that one. But uh, yeah, you're right. It really played out to a T and. And it truly was Seattle's Super Bowl. And, you know, we saw them come off of that high uh, this week against the San Francisco 49ers, uh, you know, didn't really even come close to covering that spread. And I don't know if I said it uh, on the podcast with you last week, but I said, you know, that might be the only game they win this season, um, right. be, you know, because it, it was that it was that circled on their schedule, if you will, Russell Wilson coming to town. And you, you just figured that they, if they're going to show up at any point during this season, it was going to be that game. And 
I, I didn't. I don't think I called for an outright win, but um, you know, more power to the Seahawks as they got that done too. No doubt. Well, yeah. Hey, we're looking forward to it this week. A little bit of a uh, different scenario for both of these teams. We'll talk Buffalo and Tennessee and Brady. We do see the Bills up to about a ten-point favorite consensus-wise. Total anywhere from forty-seven and a half to forty-eight. As for Philly and Minnesota. About two and a half is what you're seeing in a lot of shops out by you in Vegas. Uh, total anywhere from 50 to 51. So I just wanted to throw those lines out for the games that we will be previewing in depth. But before we get into that, Brady, really quick, how did you make out in week two? I mean, week one was kind of a disaster for me. I'm not going to lie. I got caught with a few bad beats. Uh, week two, I was fine and, you know, ended up pretty much 50-50 pending on what happens for these games uh, for Monday night. But how did you make out after all the craziness that went through in week one? I did pretty well uh, this week as well. I, I won uh, a bet on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I have the Philadelphia Eagles pending, so we'll talk about that one. Um, I won one teaser and lost a couple um, did pretty well in the contest. So, you know, it was about like week one, won a few, lost a few, but overall, uh, you know, a pretty decent result, all things considered contests and what have you. Well, that's what we like to hear, my man. Hopefully we can uh, conclude it on a high note with these two Monday night games. Let's go ahead and jump in. I know you said you got some action for the later one, but let's begin out in Buffalo with the Bills taking on the Titans and Brady, I mean, this Tennessee team, a lot of people pegged them for a squad that could see some regression, and it was a very disappointing outcome for them in week one at home against the Giants after having a 13-0 lead after Daniel Jones throws a pick in the end zone late in the game, yet you still can't capitalize against the G-Men. Well, now you're going on the road primetime against Josh Allen and what could arguably be considered the best team in the NFL who looked amazing in their week one performance. And that's going to have the line show some alterations a little bit because we saw this open over the summer as low as about seven in the hook. And again, it's just been climbing and climbing and climbing. Now double digit favorites are Buffalo. And again, that total anywhere from about 47 and a half up to about 48. What were your thoughts about this game early on? And then has, I guess, anything really changed? Has you seen this line change the closer we get to kickoff? Well, I tell you what, um, I, I may get involved. And, and my first impression early in the week, in fact, it was last Sunday when I was doing the pro football blitz with Mike Pritchard, you know, week two has become overreaction week. And yeah. this game may have stood out to me more so than any other as far as, you know, overreaction week. And, and it kind of sets up really well because you have such polar opposites from what we saw in week one. You mentioned it with the Buffalo Bills. They looked absolutely stunning. I mean, they almost looked flawless. Now, they had a couple of mistakes and turnovers and whatnot in the first half. But, you know, what everybody remembers is this team just being nearly perfect uh, in all phases of the game on offense. I think they converted nine of 10 uh, third downs. You know, they sacked Matthew Stafford seven times. I think it was they intercepted him three times. The addition of Von Miller uh, looks excellent. I mean, you couldn't probably have put together a better performance or, or at least a better looking performance than what the Buffalo Bills did on opening night. And then conversely, the, the other end of the spectrum, you have the Tennessee Titans 
as a favorite and a good size favorite, uh, you know, as high as maybe six and a half points, closed about five and a half points, and they lose at home outright uh, to the underdog New York Giants in ugly fashion, you know, missing a field goal uh, at the end of regulation, um, and they just didn't look good at all. And, and, you know, so they also cost a lot of people a survivor entry in Circa. So everything, while it is so far up, on the Buffalo Bills and their hopes for a Super Bowl championship, it is that far down on what people saw in week one in the Tennessee Titans. And you referenced it there in the open, Danny. Uh, seven and a half was the line over the summer. And I, I'm not so sure that wasn't a little bit high, but now we're at 10. And who knows, maybe we'll get to 10 and a half. Um, I, I just think the adjustment ha has been, again, overreaction week. I think the adjustment has been too much. The perception that the general public football fan has is, you know, polar opposite here. And I think the truth probably lies somewhere in between and maybe around that original line of seven and a half or less. You know, one thing, too, about the Tennessee Titans this is not the Seattle Seahawks or the Houston Texans or what have you. This is a pretty decent team who was the number one seed in the AFC last year. They've been to the playoffs three straight seasons and have won 11 games each year in doing so. Um, now, I know I, and, and I agree with people that think they're down this year. I actually haven't been a, a big supporter of the Tennessee Titans in all their playoff years. Um, I, I just haven't really liked their style of play. Derrick Henry, I felt continues to wear down and, and I didn't like how they were kind of one-dimensional with him even though they had A.J. Brown and what have you well they don't have him anymore um, I know they drafted a, a young rookie receiver who looks to be pretty good but he's he's still a rookie um, but I, I've never been a huge fan of the Tennessee Titans but I still think uh, you know, even with downgrading them this year they lose the pass rusher uh, you know the, of course I mentioned they lose A.J. Brown Henry is, you know, an, another year older and another year more banged up. Um, so I, I ex and I didn't pick them to win the division, but that, that's another thing. Now they're looking at the team that was favored to win the division in the Indianapolis Colts. They're 0-1 or, you know, 0-1 and 1, one tie and one loss. And so that probably gets their attention that the division has become ripe for the taking. And I, I just think we're probably downgrading the Titans too much and, and and taking them too low in the market and in the perception of the general public and maybe being too quick to elevate the Buffalo Bills, you know, off of that performance that they put together against the Rams, they could probably only get worse, right? I mean, that was that was just about perfect. Are they going to do better right. than that? That that you know, we, we say no teams as good as their best game or as bad as their worst game. And and again, I think that brings things closer to the middle here with both situations with the Titans and the Bills. And you know, if I do bet the game, it's going to be on the underdog. I would have to have the same philosophy with this spot. And it, again, it's not. I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you, Brady. There's nothing about Tennessee that makes them necessarily very attractive. Of course, Buffalo's the flashy team with a lot of weapons and one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But when you're looking at just a pure number standpoint, where this thing open and what could be an overreaction, it's hard to ignore getting the double digits with the Tennessee Titans team. And I guess, Brady, I, I got to ask you this too. I mean, when you look at a team like Tennessee and you have them getting so many points like they are on Monday night, you realize their main offense, as you alluded to, one-dimensional with Derrick Henry. Well, Derrick Henry is probably going to get anywhere from about 
18 to 22 carries in this game. I think his prop number is at like 20 and a half or something like that. But since that's their main source of offense, if he can have some sort of success on that side of the ball on Monday night, well, that's going to keep the time of possession on the side of Tennessee. That's going to wind the clock down a lot. And you got to think that somewhat at least limits the opportunity for this to be a blowout on the side of Buffalo. Is is that kind of a fair assessment for also maybe being leaning toward the side of Tennessee? Yeah, no, I think it's a good assessment, uh, and I think that's what they're going to want to do. I think ideally the Tennessee Titans would want this game to fall under the total. They, they want to slow this game down and get that clock ticking with Derrick Henry, possess the ball, go on long drives, keep Josh Allen off the field. All of that's a lot easier said than done. But no, I, I think that is the formula. And again, we're only in week two. I don't know if you exactly know how to beat the Buffalo Bills yet, but I think that's certainly a good starting point is, is to possess the ball and, and keep it out of his hands. Uh, now, you, at the same time, you're going up against an excellent defense. If there's any weakness on the Buffalo Bills, uh, it may be in their secondary. Uh, Tredavious White is out. He's going to miss at least four games on IR. Uh, Kalir Elam, the draft pick out of the University of Florida, uh, is a rookie uh, and a very good player, but he is a rookie. So, you know, they're going to have to try and uh, exploit that part because I'm not so sure where another weakness is on this Bills team. Now, in terms of that total, as you mentioned a little bit as well, you know, if Tennessee's covering, you're probably thinking it could trend more toward a lower type of game because the Titans, not typically a squad that's going to want to get in that shootout or be able to keep up with the likes of Buffalo. Granted, they did overcome them last year, but uh, they did lose some receiving weapons, so the offense could be more methodical, just slower. And look, maybe they are able to stop Buffalo to some degree. But if you can get a 48, which we do see a couple of those out by you, Brady, do you think it would be worth the play on the under, or does the total not really interest you as much for this game? No, I think it kind of goes hand-in-hand, hand, a correlated parlay, if you will. Uh, if you think the underdog can cover this game, then I think you're probably a fan of the under as well. You know, this is an 0-1 team going up against a 1-0 team, and, and I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but we had a lot of situations on Sunday, week two in the NFL, where that team that was 0-1, uh, you know, beat or covered against the team that was 1-0. The, the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers come to mind. Um, but, you know, you looked at all these 10-point favorites. Uh, two of them covered, the, the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. The Rams let the Falcons back in the game late. Uh, the Denver Broncos, I mean, shoot, they almost lost that game. Uh, it was a field goal battle there with the Houston Texans. And, you know, I, I could see that happening where you have Tennessee, again, being a favorite that lost outright, they, they need to rebound and they need to bounce back. Where is Buffalo's feeling pretty fat and sassy? They just put on a tremendous performance. They didn't lose the game. They won the game pretty handily. So, uh, you know, again, I think that's more reason to believe that, t that uh, Tennessee is going to be competitive in this game. And again, I think that ties into them, you know, keeping this slow scoring. You're, you're right. They, they don't want to get into a shootout with this team. Maybe the only team that does would be Kansas City. All right. So for this game, Brady's having more of a lean to taking the points with Tennessee. I'd have to agree with him there. I 
probably won't end up betting anything with the spread if i personally do anything brady it's gonna have to be with the total and i'm only gonna do it if i get about a 48 or above that would be kind of my mark to get involved with i do have um well uh yes i do have a prop in this game i was trying to remember if it was this one or the next one so i'll explain that a little bit more so in our other editions that we're doing here on vsin's pro football betting podcast stream which is prop shelf one of my favorite segments to do where i go over some of my top props and i got a couple for this game so we'll save that for a best bet later. But yeah, I, I think the total would be the one that would make the top of the charts. And again, if you want to see Brady's official play, make sure you become a Beast and Pro subscriber and you can check out not only Brady and my plays, but everybody involved with VSIN, the hosts and guests, if you check it out at VSIN.com slash subscribe. Now, Brady, the later Monday night football game. Now we take it to the city of brotherly love. The Eagles taking on the Vikings. I'm pumped for this game. And I, I'm a big supporter of Minnesota this year. And I, I've said it ad nauseum at this point, but maybe I haven't said it to you. So I love Minnesota. I love Kevin O'Connell. I took him around 20 to 1 for coach of the year. I took the Vikings over eight and a half wins at about minus a buck 30 over the summer. I just feel like bringing in a guy like Kevin O'Connell, offensive-oriented, is the perfect and obvious answer to the problem that Minnesota's been having for years. And that was Mike Zimmer being the head coach and him not being an offensive guy. And again, we talk about overreactions to week one. And I was writing about this uh, at VEASAN.com. And I said, well, for some people, maybe they see it as an overreaction. But to me, it's more of a confirmation. And again, yes, it's week one. And sometimes the Packers struggle. But the Packers are supposed to have one of the best defenses. And you saw how smooth and organized and what kind of rhythm Minnesota had on display. So I really liked Minnesota in this side. I did have them in a teaser with Cleveland, so that was a heartbreaker. So my teaser leg's already dead, but that's the only way I liked betting the Vikings with the spread was teasing them up. But Brady, I also bet the total over in this game. I got it at 51 earlier in the week. I thought it'd be ticking up a little bit more, but it's actually been trending back down. So you can get as low as 50 and it's gone as high as 51. But I don't think the Vikings are going to have any problem scoring. I mean, the Eagles defense, again, you know, they let the line back in the game in week one and it doesn't mean that the Vikings are going to drop 30 but I just think the jury's still out on this defense and more importantly Minnesota's defense Brady is not going to be as good as they looked in week one like Aaron Rodgers only putting up seven points is is an anomaly and it's developing the new relationships with his receivers Jalen Hurts in that offense we know what they're capable of so I think this could be a back and forth shootout battle I think both teams have enough to keep up with the other offense so again my teaser like died but that's what I liked on the side of the Vikings teasing up their spread but now I'll just be sweating out the total over 51 for this game yeah, I kind of agree with you on the total uh, for a couple of different reasons. And, and you certainly point out the Minnesota defense. I think their pass rush is, is pretty decent, but I don't think they're that great in defending the run. In, in week one, as bad as it looked for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, Minnesota did allow 6.3 yards per carry. Yeah. That, I believe that was like 29th in the NFL. Uh, for week one. So the running game was pretty well gashed uh, by the Packers in week one against the Vikings. And then really the weak part of the of the Minnesota defense is their secondary. So now you're going up against the Philadelphia Eagles team that runs the ball extremely well, has a quarterback that can also run uh, very well. 
and going up against a weak run defense, uh, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. And, and if Philadelphia is able to have success running the ball, then they're going to have success throwing the ball against a weak secondary. So I, I think Minnesota defensively is in a pretty bad spot. We saw what Philadelphia did in week one. You've got Devonta Smith, and he wasn't even the star. A.J. Brown, 10 catches for 155 yards in week one. Uh, and I know the Detroit defense isn't great either, but, you know, they're also weak in the secondary. And, and Minnesota is probably a little bit better than that. I don't know. Detroit wasn't too bad on Sunday. They, they you know, it's kind of similar to the way Detroit let Washington back in the game. I think it's very similar to the way Philadelphia let Detroit back in the game in week one. It, it, the, Philly was in control of the game. It was pretty much garbage time. Now, right. That being said, I don't think they care to give up 35 points in any week of, of football. And I imagine they are going to make a point in practice this week to correct that and to clamp down and not necessarily let a team, you know, even have life uh, if it is garbage time. Here's also an interesting nugget for you is speaking about the Philadelphia defense. And you touched on it. I don't know. I certainly don't think they're great yet. Um, but I do think they're better than the 35 points that they gave up to yeah. Detroit. Like I say, that was 14, 17 points, whatever it was that was, you know, in garbage time. But the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles is Jonathan Gannon. And he interviewed with the Minnesota Vikings for their head coaching vacancy over the summer. And they passed on him. They said, no, thanks. I imagine he's got a couple of tricks up his sleeve that he wants to take out on this team for passing on him uh, for that head coaching position. So I think that's a little angle there that might be able to uh, foster your opinion on the Philadelphia Eagles if, if that's the team you're choosing to back in this game. Ooh, very interesting anecdote there. Yeah, always a little bit of the uh, chip on the shoulder is what you can seek out for some of these spots. And again, that's kind of one that a majority of people, myself included, weren't necessarily even aware of because you're looking at it from the player perspective, not necessarily the coaching perspective, especially with a coordinator. So yeah, I kind of like that tidbit there. And, you know, Brady, another thing, and again, I mean, take it as you will, but, you know, Kirk Cousins, we have seen struggle in primetime. I think he's like two and seven, two and nine straight up on primetime football, whatever it is, some ridiculous stat. I, I get that it's a new head coach now, but some of that weight, certainly could carry over and that's why i found the teaser more attractive in getting the vikings at about plus eight plus eight and a half because again even when they've lost games i mean last year pretty much every damn game was right. in a one score possession yeah, and, 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 yeah it's incredible and i again i i just i don't know it's tough to get fully there still this early with Minnesota in a tough spot with Philly because I'm not entirely sure what to make of the Eagles. I know they have the talent there, but can they put it together fully? So um, I've seen kind of both sides here. I, I've seen this number even get up to three, which then almost gets the Vikings a little bit more tempting at that point. But again, we've seen this story before with Minnesota. Maybe the Eagles can get off to a hot start and keep things cruising. So that kind of makes it seem like that's the side you're leaning toward then, right? Are you, uh, yeah. are you back in Philly officially? I, I am. I, I do have a bet on Philadelphia. I got them at minus two. And, uh, you know, I, I feel good about it for all the reasons that I point out. I think I think right now, and, and believe me, I, I think this is arguably the game of the week as far as the matchup yeah. on paper. I, I am not a uh, Minnesota, uh, you know, 
anti-Minnesota guy this year. I mean, week one was extremely impressive, and, and you talked about it, Kevin O'Connell uh, being the offensive-minded coach as opposed to Mike Zimmer, who was getting long in the tooth. I don't think Zimmer was ever a bad coach until maybe the last couple of years where the game was starting to pass him by, and, and we've seen that happen, and, and there's probably still a few guys in the league uh, that would fall into that category as well. Um, but now you have new blood and the offensive mind, and I tell you what, that that's another thing why I, I kind of like Philly here too. You you have so much changeover on that coaching staff with Minnesota, and now they're going into their first road game, uh, yeah. and it's on Monday night. That's a very difficult situation as well. You also talked about Kirk Cousins in prime time, and and it is kind of a little bit of a fluky stat or or trend rather, but. You know, also Cousins is one of those guys that has a very regimented routine and, you know, goes through his day, you know, with certain routines and, and certain, uh, you know, rituals and what have you. And all of that kind of ends on playing during the day on Sunday. It doesn't always end up, you know, it throws him off his game, if you will, when he has to play uh, in primetime or, or at night. An atypical week for him uh, is foreign to what he prefers. And I think that lends itself to his poor record in primetime games. And uh, again, you know, it, it works out really well for, for Philadelphia being their home opener under the spotlight. Uh, I don't know how, how good that is for a guy that doesn't like that routine and a brand new set of coaches. Brady, I, I want to ask you a little bit outside the box here, but if we could just envision the future of what this game holds. I, I guess in this hypothetical example, let's say the Minnesota Vikings win. Would you be interested almost in seeing if you could get a, I guess, not too expensive price on this Eagles team to win the division? Because maybe, and maybe if that's the case, say the Eagles do lose, you see a Cowboys team that was still able to get a win. And deep down, we realize, hey, I mean, maybe that was a little fluky, but Cooper Rush, I don't know how much deeper you want to go with trusting him for the games that he'll still be starting. Uh, the Giants starting 2-0, and we're probably assuming they're going to falter. And hey, I mean, personally, I'm not a big Carson Wentz guy, so I have no faith in this commander's team actually competing for the division. But I say this because I was looking at the Eagles this past week, and I think they were like minus 150, minus 155 to win the East. And to lay that after week one isn't ideal, but man, I just really find it tough to imagine any other team overcoming all the others except for the Eagles in this division. So I'm just saying if they lost to Minnesota, I wouldn't overreact too much because again, I hold Minnesota to a pretty high standard and the Eagles in comparison to now how the rest of the division looks, I think they have the advantage there. So would there be a price range that it would have to hit for you to maybe want to get involved in that? Well, you know, in, in futures bets, I, I don't often like to you know, lay minus money, if you will. Um, you know, it, it's nice to have a, a plus money return when you're tying your money right. up for that long. And, you know, what if Jalen Hurts gets injured or, or, or this and that and the other? You know, injuries are always a big part of NFL football and uh, it can happen at any time. So, you know, I, I, if they lose, I certainly don't think you're going to get, you know, m maybe even even money. Might, maybe they right. drop to minus 110 or minus 120 or something like that. Um, which I still think is, you know, a, a decent price. And, and if you want to go ahead and lay it, I, I, I don't have a problem with laying minus 120 or less uh, if they were to lose. But ideally playing a future, you know, and you go back to, 
you know, back in the summer, you could have had three to one, you could have had two to one, you could have had plus 190. So I think at this point, um, probably a little bit too early for me to jump in, but you're exactly right. They're, they're clearly the favorite in that division. And I really don't see them quite frankly, losing the division, even if they did lose to the Vikings on Monday night. All right, Brady, before we get you out of here, we'll kind of keep up with what we did last week. Uh, a team or teams, players, whatever it may be, something that people are probably going to overreact to that they shouldn't, and then maybe something people aren't talking about heading into week three. I know it's early, but uh, if you've got something for each category, would love to hear it, my man. So maybe a team that people are overreacting to, first of all? Yeah. Yeah, something either like that, and we could just a week-to-week basis, whether it's, um, I guess, again, the Cowboys with Cooper Rush. Yeah, maybe he's not that bad. And then you're like, well, maybe it's more so that the Bengals actually are not that good themselves, so let's not trust Cooper Rush that much. And then maybe you look at another team like the Giants, 2-0. and Well, they're not as good as the record indicates, something along those lines. Yeah, um, the the Giants are interesting, and I and I don't think they're great, and and I do believe that they will fall off. But at the same time, Brian Dable's off to a great start, and, and he's got that team believing, and and you know they look like they're not going to be that bad. Um, you know who knows if they'll even make the playoffs at this point, but they're off to as good a start as you could ask for at two and zero. I would not overreact to the the Cowboys. I I was on the Cowboys today, plus seven and a half, because, you know, Danny, we we talk about it, the the fallen hero theory. You know, the team rallies Mm -hmm. around, Dak Prescott goes down, the rest of the troops rally around. And, I mean, I think the MVP of that game uh, was probably, um, now his name is escaping me, but uh, the defensive coordinator who used to be the coach of the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Oh, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Uh, you know, he and Micah Parsons just wrecked that game in the first half. And, and I do think, you know, Cincinnati was a fade for me in week one. They were a fade for me in week two. And who knows what I'll do with them in, in week three. Um, and they, they go to play the Jets. And, and, you know, that's probably another team I'm not going to get all excited about. That was a miracle win that was handed to them uh, by the Cleveland Browns today. So, and it's also a revenge game for Cincinnati. That, at this point, that's probably not a game I would touch because I, I think Cincinnati is truly uh, filling out the role of a Super Bowl loser and, and they are, you know, falling down a, a spiral pretty quickly uh, that's going to be tough to rebound from. I mean, Joe Burrow is getting sacked six times a game. You know, he's not going to be able to withstand that. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, you know, I wouldn't get too excited about them. I mean, they they looked really good for probably at least half that game, if not more. Um, but I still think they have a lot of flaws. Uh, I was not impressed with them in week one at all. And, you know, if, maybe if you see an adjusted win total out there or something on the Rams, I, I think they could be a fade team. Uh, trying to think if there's anybody else out there. I tell you what, uh, the Dolphins really impressed me today. And, and, and that's yeah. another thing. I... I wouldn't overreact and say the Ravens are done. They're by no means Agreed. done. I mean, they, they were on fire. That, that, that was a terrific football game to watch. Uh, brutal if you're a Ravens fan or a Ravens backer. But but that team, is, I mean, gosh, the, the Ravens don't have any wide receivers, right? Really? I mean, they were all over the place today with, with guys I'd never even heard of. And, and Lamar Jackson was amazing, but... So I'm not I'm not at all going to overreact to that loss and think the Ravens are done. But I tell you that the Miami, who knows? I can can they challenge Buffalo for the division? 
I think this coach, Mike McDaniel, is a perfect fit for Tua's game. His creativity, his play calling, his misdirection before the snap, uh, you know, the slant patterns that he runs. I mean, this guy, you know, they they say he's a genius. He went to Yale. He looks like one right now. And like I say, it looks like the perfect fit uh, head coach to quarterback relationship for Tua. Brady, I know you're a 49ers fan. Unfortunately, Trey Lance looks like he'll be out for the rest of the season. You're going back with uh, my guy, and I say my guy, hometown kid, Arlington Heights, Jimmy Garoppolo. He will be back in the starting quarterback mix. So thankfully for San Francisco, you guys held on to him. What does that do for you and in terms of how you feel about San Francisco? Because personally, I was not sold on Trey Lance whatsoever. And it's nothing against the kid, but you know they're having him laying these high spreads and he really didn't have that big a sample size. You heard rumors and speculations that there are some inaccuracy issues and just a lot of things that didn't seem complete with him yet. And not that he couldn't overcome it, but I wasn't ready to put stock in it from a betting standpoint. Honestly, now that Jimmy Garoppolo's in the mix, I would feel more comfortable because I know what I'm going to get with Jimmy G and the 49ers now. I think that's just it. You you know what you're going to get. And uh, I, I think it's a really good situation for the 49ers and, and, and as good as it can be. I mean, you know, it, it's awful that Trey Lance, you know, broke his ankle and is lost for the season. I feel horrible for the kid. I feel bad for the 49er organization because, I mean, he hasn't even played four full games. It, it was three and a quarter. And and I think he was going to be okay. I think, you know, this is, I think, the scene, the thing that the uh, 49ers were banking on was he probably has a higher ceiling than Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Uh, now, Jimmy Garoppolo's floor is, is pretty high. I mean, he's a very good quarterback, and, and, and Trey Lance's floor was probably lower, but he had the potential to, to dazzle and do tremendous things and bring a running element into the quarterback position for San Francisco. Um, but, yeah, the fact that they have their guy in there, and you almost saw the players kind of, you know, elevate to to see their old guy uh, get there and mix it up with them and score some touchdowns. And, and, and I think the vibe, while I know, I'm sure all those guys were in full support of Trey Lance, and I'm sure they're crushed for him, um, I, I don't think they miss much of a step uh, now that their guy is back in the mix. So, um, like you said, now we know it's probably easier to bet on San Francisco now because we, we have something, we have a known uh, commodity. Right. Hey, I'm with you, Brady. I think your 49ers just got a little bit more stable and that may be able stable to Stable is a out. good word. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> a little bit more stable and uh, we'll get a better feeling potentially of how to bet this team. But again, folks, he is Brady Cannon. You can follow him on Twitter at Las Vegas Golfer. As for myself, Danny Burke at Danny Burke 5 on the tweets. Brady leaning with take of the points with Tennessee in the double digit range. I got a prop in that game. Make sure you listen to the prop shelf edition throughout VSIN's Pro Football Betting Podcast stream where you can get those official plays. And then for the Philadelphia and Minnesota. Minnesota spot. I am on the over 51 and Brady is riding the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Should be a fun couple of games for Monday night. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vsin's Pro Football Betting Podcast. And until next time with Brady. Hey Brady, best of luck with everything in week three, hey, my I man. Got, I got another tidbit work. for you, buddy. Oh, baby. Remember, Let's remember get last it. Yes. with the Seattle Seahawks with yes. a couple of trends there, and they they were all pretty good. They worked out. 
This Let's is one go. that I, and, and again, we always preface the fact that some trends don't make any sense. You can't quantify them, you know, and they're, they can be pretty ridiculous. But I think this one absolutely makes sense for week two over reaction week. And this applies to the Buffalo Bills and Tennessee Titans game. NFL teams coming off of a double digit victory in week one are 17, 37 and two against the spread when facing an opponent off of a straight up loss as a favorite. And they wow. fall to four and 16 against the spread as a non-division favorite. So it speaks to exactly what we were talking about, how the Buffalo Bills have become elevated off a double digit, incredibly impressive victory. And the Titans have been downgraded maybe too much after losing outright as a favorite. There you have it, folks. The best in the biz. Brady Cannon coming in with the heat once again, baby. Let's hope it comes through and you can get a nice winner with taking the points, potentially with Tennessee up against Buffalo. But Brady, thank you again, my man. And once again, hey, best luck with your plays. I know you've been crushing it thus far, just like you are on everything you're doing with Beast. And so keep up the good work, my friend. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. And I'll see you next Sunday night. You bet. At Las Vegas Golfer, once again, where you could follow him on Twitter. That's going to do it, folks. Enjoy the games on Monday, and best of luck with all your wagers as well. Take care, folks.